Welcome to the Center Branch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We get to celebrate together how good God is, how much he loved us, that he sent Jesus to die as a sacrifice for our sins, and he raised them again from the dead. Jesus is alive. He's coming back soon. So today is a great day to be together, a great day to celebrate in the presence of God. Thank you for being here. You know, what, what we're celebrating is really the most incredible, the most wonderful, the most amazing thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe, that Jesus was a sacrifice for my sins and your sins. He died, he rose again, and he made a way for us to know forgiveness and freedom for us to know a real relationship with God that we can walk in fellowship with him and know peace and joy, not just in this life, but for all eternity. When this life is over, we get to continue fellowshipping with God. So today is a great, great day. Thank you for being here to celebrate with us. You know, you might have noticed we kind of have a superhero theme this morning. On your way in, maybe you saw Batman illegally parked on the sidewalk. I think we're actually having him towed right now, getting that taken care of. There's a bunch of superheroes hanging out in our kids' ministry this morning. So there's just something about superheroes that that people love. People love the idea of a hero. And I'm a little bit old school. Growing up, it seemed like we had less superheroes to deal with. We kind of had, you know, you had Batman, Spider-Man, and Superman, And that was basically it. There was a few fringe guys like Aquaman, but you know, kind of your meat and potatoes, superheroes were those those main three. But it seems like nowadays, there's just like constantly new superheroes popping up out of nowhere, people that you've never heard of before. And they've got these little crews or little gangs of superheroes, the Avengers, Marvel, and DC Comics, all these different, different groups and different movies. And the reason they can keep making movies and making new superheroes it's because people, people love superheroes, right? We, we don't get sick of it. We love those kinds of stories of people being rescued and someone with power coming and, and saving someone else. When I was growing up, we had something called underoos. Does anyone remember underoos? Do you have any idea what I'm, what I'm talking about? If you don't know, underoos are uh, uh, underwear and a T-shirt that are branded uh, for superheroes, so you get you know Superman underoos or Batman underoos, and you'd have the logo on your chest, and the underwear would match. And this is for like little kids, right? So it's like four, five, six-year-olds. Make make that clear. And in my family, in my family, it was a big deal when you got a pack of underoos. I can remember you'd get underoos and come home immediately run to your room, strip down, put those underoos on, and then come out just wearing that and like model it for the family. It was a big enough deal that it was like, it lined you up, get your pictures taken in your underwear. I've got pictures of me when I'm, you know, four or five years old, standing in front of my family, proud in my, in my underoos. But as a kid, it was great because you could, you know, when it was the day that you wore those underwear, no one else would know, but you would know Underneath your clothes, you kind of were linked with Spider-Man or Superman. You could, you could almost 
almost feel the connection. They, they worked. It was like you'd go through the day, you'd feel a little bit heroic as you went through the day because you knew I'm wearing my Spider-Man or my Superman underoos. But enough about my underpants. So <laughs> people, love, people love superheroes. And again, the idea is someone comes and rescues, come, someone come and saves the day. And it can be a variety of situations. Maybe someone's got their, their cat stuck in a tree. A superhero can come and, and rescue them. Superheroes come and make bad things stop. They put things back to the way they ought to be. If a lady's getting her purse stolen by a bad guy, a superhero can swoop in and save the day. If there's an evil genius trying to take over the world, it's nothing a, a good superhero can't come and, and put an end to. But I really believe that our fascination with superheroes, it, it's entertaining, yes, but I believe that our, our fascination with heroes runs deeper than just entertainment. I think we're fascinated with the idea of a hero because we know that as we go through our lives, we encounter situations, things that are beyond our ability to deal with, that you find yourself in certain circumstances that you know that you're in over your head, that there's times where you just need help, and it's almost like it's built on the inside of us to have a longing for someone who is genuine, someone who is good, someone who cares about us, and someone who has the power and the ability to come and to help us when, when we need it. And there's different situations for all of us where we feel overwhelmed, we feel like we need someone to come and to help us. Maybe for some of us, it's in the area of finances that you feel the pressure and the stress, the weight of, of debt, or you know you are, are struggling to pay the bills and you wish, man, if somebody could just come and help me figure this out. Or maybe it's in your relationships, in your marriage or your relationship with your, your children or your parents or somebody else that you care about. You know that you've got problems and what you long for is if somebody could just give me some understanding and how, how do I make this thing right again? Or how do I make this thing work the right way? Or maybe it's a health issue that you wish someone could come and just put an end to the problem you're having in your body or somebody that you care about, a loved one who's struggling with a health issue. It might be in an area of addiction some kind of behavior or thought pattern that you wish you could put a stop to. You wish you could end it, but you just don't seem to have the ability. Maybe it's a substance, or maybe it's anger or jealousy or bitterness that you don't want to be that way. I don't want to live my life jealous. I don't want to be so angry, but it feels like I, there's nothing I can do about it, and you wish somebody could come and, and help you do what you can't do on your own. Different problems for each of us, but one problem we all face is the problem of death, it's a problem you can avoid for a while, but sooner or later, we die. This life is temporary. So even if you avoid death for 90 years or 100 years, you, you don't avoid it forever. And when that time comes, what happens next? Where do you go? When you face problems and you deal with these kinds of issues and you, you wrestle with these, these things, who do you go to? Who do you go to for help? Because you, you've got to find someone, one that really cares about you, that genuinely loves, that they, they actually care what you're facing, what you're struggling with. But even if you find someone that genuinely loves you and cares about you, that isn't enough on its own. You also need somebody who also has the power or the ability to do something about the problem that you're facing. I, I wanna take a couple of minutes this morning and look at a story in Luke chapter eight. 
If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 8. Otherwise, we'll throw the verses up on the screen. And there's a couple of people in the verses we're going to read that are in situations where there's nothing they can do. They need help. They need rescued. They need a hero. And both of the people in this story decide that when they need help, they're going to go to Jesus. And neither one of them are disappointed. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Now, I want to read the rest of the story, but real quick, we've been introduced to two people. The first one is a man, and where he needs help is with what's going on in his household, in his family. There's a problem. There's an, there's an issue that he can't handle on his own. He needs someone to care about him. He needs someone with power to do something about what his family is struggling with. And we're, we're told that his little girl, she's 12 years old. We don't know if she got sick or injured or what happened. All we know is that she is dying. They need help. So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus agrees to, to go with him to his house. But while they're on their way there, we meet a second person, this time a woman. And she has not a family issue. She has a personal issue that she needs help. It says that she has been bleeding for 12 years just slowly losing life year after year. It's interesting that she has been in the process of dying as long as that little girl has been in the process of living. They both need help. They both need rescue. It says with this woman with the issue of blood that nobody, nobody could heal her. There, she's tried all of the doctors. She's taken all of the medicine. She's done all of the treatments. Nothing helps. What she needs is she needs a hero. She needs someone to rescue her. So she comes to Jesus. We'll pick the story up in verse 44. It says, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So this woman comes to Jesus, and there's, there's crowds pressing in on Jesus, thousands of people all around him, and she sees Jesus, and she, she fights through the crowd to get to him. And she, she manages to get close enough to Jesus that she can touch just the edge of his, what he's wearing, the fringe of his garment. And when she does that, when she makes contact with Jesus, it says that her bleeding immediately stopped. She was completely healed. This issue that she'd been dealing with, this problem, this nightmare that she'd been in, 
Christian for over a decade now, instantly it was all over. That weight she had been carrying, just learning to live, it was consuming her life. Everything was about getting rid of this problem. Instantly, one touch from Jesus and the entire situation was reversed. Her health was restored. Her entire life was changed in an instant when she came in contact with Jesus. But before she experienced this miracle, there was something she had to do. She had to fight through the crowd to get to him. I don't know where everyone is in their relationship with Jesus, how close to him you are or how far away from him you are. But one thing we can learn from this story, if there's anything between you and Jesus, whatever obstacle, whatever argument, whatever problem you have with him or with the church, it is well worth figuring out how to get over it, how to get around it, and not allowing anything to keep you from Jesus. It is worth figuring out those obstacles. Maybe it was a bad experience you had in the past, Maybe it's something you heard. Maybe somebody disappointed you, let you down. You've got problems with with religion in general. It is worth figuring out how to get past those things and not allow them to keep you from Jesus because this woman's entire life was changed in an instant when she decided to fight through those obstacles so she could touch Jesus. Now, she's been dealing with this for 12 years. That's a long time. Day after day, month after month, year after year, she's dealing with this this problem. Life is just slowly draining away from her. Things aren't getting better, just getting worse and worse and worse year after year. You know, it would have been nice if she could have had this experience with Jesus earlier than when she did. But you know what? Better, Better late than never. Better to have that experience with Jesus when she did than to never have it at all. And sometimes when we have problems that are similar to this woman's where it's, it's nothing huge and dramatic, it's just something in our lives that just seems to slowly be fading away. Something in our life that just slowly but steadily is trending in the wrong direction. A marriage that just seems to slowly be getting worse instead of better. Or maybe just our attitude, our, our emotions, the joy we have in living our lives, it's just slowly fading away. We can kind of adjust to that and learn how to accept, oh, you know, I'm just going to deal with that. Maybe, maybe this is just kind of the marriage that I'm supposed to have, or this is just the way marriage goes, or maybe life is fun at the beginning, and as you get older, it does just kind of get less enjoyable. That This woman, this woman didn't just adjust to her hardship and decide to live with it. She was willing to fight to get to Jesus, and whatever you're dealing with, if it's something that's gone on and on and on for a long time, it would have been better off for you to have been set free or had that situation turned around earlier rather than later, but better late than never. To allow Jesus, don't, don't allow whatever you've been dealing with to get roots in you so deep that you decide, you know what, I'm just going to live with this problem. Jesus can turn any situation around, bring freedom and life and reverse whatever the enemies work to bring about in your household, in your personal situation. There's nothing that Jesus can't fix. Jesus says something interesting in this encounter with a woman. When he asks, who touched me? You can hear it almost in Peter's voice. Jesus, I... You, you can't ask that kind of question. I mean, you're in a crowd of thousands. They're all, they're all pressing in on you. I mean, who hasn't touched you at this point? That's, you, you can't ask that kind of question, Jesus. But Jesus understood there was a difference between somebody touching him, coming into contact with him casually, flippantly, and somebody touching him intentionally. He says, no, Peter, somebody, somebody deliberately touched me. There's a difference between just being in the crowd, being around the things of God, and having a deliberate 
relationship with Jesus. Maybe, you know, it's Easter Sunday, so the reality is that we have people in our, in our church this morning that usually don't come. Maybe you're someone who just comes a couple of times a year, or maybe this is just a first-time experience for you. Listen, genuinely, we are thrilled that you are here today. We're so glad that you decided to come on Easter Sunday. But there's an important lesson for us to learn, that just being associated loosely with the things of God, you don't get the impact that Jesus wants to make in your life. There's one person in this crowd that their life was totally changed. It was the woman who was deliberate in her contact with Jesus. Maybe you grew up in church. You've been associated with religion. Maybe your grandma used to drag you to church a couple of times a month. There is a difference between just kind of having a casual, nonchalant relationship with the church and coming into deliberate, intentional contact with Jesus. That is when your life is changed. When you come to a point and say, Jesus, you, you, are, you are all that I need. Everything that I'm looking for is in you. The Bible even says that you will seek him and find him when you search for him with all of your heart. And again, I don't know where everyone is in their walk with the Lord, but here in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you've never done it before, to come into an intentional relationship with God through accepting Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe you realize you've drifted in your walk with the Lord, you're not having an intentional, deliberate, focused walk with him. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to recommit your life to Jesus here in just a couple of minutes. Before we do that, let's finish this story. Verse 49. It says, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. So Jairus is the one that initially went to Jesus, said, I've got a problem at my house, would you come? While they're on their way there, they get interrupted by this woman. Jesus deals with her. And just as Jesus is finishing up, a messenger comes and says, I'm sorry, your daughter's dead. It's over. It's too late. Don't, don't even bother. Don't trouble the teacher now. You know, it, it's too far gone. You know, sometimes our, the problems that we deal with in our life, we can get the thought get a message, just like Jairus got a message. Somebody says something, we hear a teaching. It's our own emotions or an idea we have on our own that the problem has gotten to a point where there's nothing that can be done now. Because apparently there was, there was a point where they felt like going to Jesus was a good idea, that the situation was at a level. Maybe Jesus can do something about it. But now it has reached a level where they're saying there's no hope. Don't even bother him now. It's gone too far. It's too serious. It's too late. It's gone too far. And now Jairus has a decision to make, whether he's going to continue to trust in Jesus or believe this message that he's heard. Another thing that the messengers tell him, say, there's no use bothering the teacher now. The problem's too serious. It's too far gone. There's no use bothering the teacher Sometimes the problems that we face can reach a point where they begin to warp the way we think God sees us. That you can go through something, you can be dealing with an issue, and it reach a level where you begin to think that it has affected the way that Jesus sees you. That when you approach him, you're just troubling him. You're just a bother to him at this time. 
that you're just annoyance. It's gone too far. I mean, you're so messed up. You've let things get so bad that even God really wants nothing to do with you. But there's, there's no sense as we read through the story that Jesus ever felt that way. The messengers seem to think there's problems at a level where you're just bothering them. Now, we don't get that indication from Jesus. And it's the same way in whatever you're facing. There's never a point where you become a bother or a trouble to God with your problems or what you're going through. There's never a point that you reach where God doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. In fact, the opposite is true. The Bible says that he delights to do you good. Do you know that about God? It's his pleasure to help you, to rescue you, to save you. It makes him happy. You're not an annoyance to him. It brings a smile to his face when he's able to rescue you and help you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, when it's talking about Jesus coming to rescue us, it says it was according to the goodness of his own pleasure and will. It pleased him. It was all his idea to rescue you and save you. You're never, you're never a bother to God. But just like Jairus, sometimes we have a decision to make where we think, man, my situation's too far gone. There's nothing that can be done. I feel like I'm just an annoyance. I feel like I'm just a bother. And that's the situation Jairus was in. Verse 50. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. Jesus wasn't annoyed. He wasn't troubled. He was still all in on turning the situation around. Verse 51, when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. So Jesus shows up at the house and the environment that had been filled with mourning and weeping, even mockery and insults and arguing, he does something for that family that completely changes everything that's going on in that household. He brings that girl back to life. He, he brings life where there was death. He, he does a miracle and changes that entire situation. That a household that was filled with weeping is now filled with joy and rejoicing. But before they were able to get to this miracle, something else had to happen. It says that when he got there, people were wailing, weeping, he said, she's, she's just sleeping. And they began to mock her. They began to make fun of him. Before they were able to get to the miracle, they, the mockers had to be dealt with. Sometimes when we think about going to Jesus and looking to him to be our help, to be our strength, to rescue us. There's, there's thoughts, again, internal or external. The idea of, what, what is the point? What can Jesus possibly do for you? At this point in your life, at this point in the situation, come on, you really think Jesus is gonna step in and make a difference in your life and your situation? You're being ridiculous. There's mocking. And how Jesus dealt with them was by putting them, he kicked them out of the house. You and I have to deal with those thoughts, popular opinion, what other people will think, the emotions we feel, and say, you know what? I'm putting all of my trust in Jesus. I'm going to silence the mockers in my life so that we can receive all that Jesus has for us. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, there was, there was mockers even in that environment. It's like there was always mockers hanging around Jesus. 
trying to point out faults or, or discredit him somehow or keep people from receiving all that he had for them. When Jesus died on the cross, he'd been whipped, he'd been beaten, they'd ripped out his beard, they nailed him to a piece of, of wood, and as he's lying, hanging there in the process of dying, people are standing around hurling insults, making fun of him. Let, let me read to you one of the things that they said. Matthew chapter 27, verse 42, it says, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and then we'll believe in him. So they're just saying all kinds of mean things, trying to discredit him. Oh, you're the king of Israel? Well, if you come off the cross, then maybe, maybe we'll believe in you. And as they're, as they're hurling these insults at him, one of the things that they said, they didn't realize it, but they were actually describing the situation perfectly. It was exactly what was going on. They said he saved others, but he can't save himself. That was actually the choice that Jesus had. That he could have saved himself from that cross, but if he did, if he refused to die, then he wouldn't have been able to save others. He was laying himself down as a sacrifice, choosing not to save himself so that he could save others. Do you know who the others are? It's you and it's me, people that Jesus was the sacrifice for. Instead of rescuing himself, he chose to rescue us, that you were on his heart, you were on his mind. When he had the opportunity to say, no, this is too much, I don't wanna do it. It was the thought of you and being able to rescue you from your situation that kept him on that cross, being willing to lay down his life, being willing to become weak so you could become strong, being willing to become sin so that you could become righteous, being willing to die so that you could know abundant life. That was the choice that he made. But he didn't just die. The death of Jesus shows the love and the compassion of God. And we said, if you're going to find a hero, you need to find someone that does two things. One, that genuinely loves you and cares about you. We can see that in the death of Jesus. But we know he didn't just die. He also rose again. He didn't just have the compassion. He also has the power and the ability to do something about your situation. That first Easter morning, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on Friday. The next day was the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything. But on the third day, they came to pay the respects at the tomb. Let me read to you what happened. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, Two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. So Jesus doesn't just have the love and the compassion. He's willing to lay down his life for you. He also shows by his resurrection that he has power over death, hell, and the grave. That there's a power in Jesus that is able to destroy all of the works of the devil. That's what the Bible says. There's nothing the enemy can do against you, against your body, against your household, that God doesn't have the power to do something about it. That the kingdom of darkness that tries to 
hold on to people's lives. Jesus did something so that he could rescue us from the kingdom of darkness and bring us into his own kingdom. Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter one, verse 13. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus is the hero that we're looking for. Jesus is the hero that you were born with a longing to come into contact with him, to know his peace, to know his fellowship, to know his comfort. Jesus, Jesus is what everyone is looking for, whether they realize it or not. The angels asked a question. We'll close with this and we'll pray. They asked a question. It's, it's a good question. It still applies to people today. Why? Why would you seek for the living among the dead? When you're looking for something, why would you look in a place that it could never be found? What you're looking for, why would you look in stuff, in success, what this world has to offer? What you're looking for can't be found even in relationships with people, can't be found in achievements, it can't be found in money or wealth. It can't be found in substances because what you are looking for is newness of life. And it can only be found in Jesus, in Jesus, our rescuer, our hero. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around or moving around for just a minute. If you're here today and there's never been a point in time where you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity to do exactly that. Maybe you've been associated with the church, you've been around religion all of your life, but it's always been a casual, flippant involvement, and you've never come into deliberate, intentional contact like that woman that we just read about. You've never allowed him to really change your life by making him Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to contact Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm done messing around. I'm serious. I focus my heart. I put my trust in you and in you alone. Or maybe you made a decision like that before, but something has happened since then. You got hurt. You got distracted. You got tangled back up in sin. You just got too busy to give attention to the relationship, and you know you're not where you should be in your walk with Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to rededicate your life to Jesus with nobody looking around. If you fall into either one of those categories, I, I just want to pray for you right, right where you are in your seat. I ask you to put your hand up nice and high. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior, or you need to recommit your life to serving him. Put your hand up nice and high. Thank you. Anyone else? Don't leave here today not knowing. On this Resurrection Sunday, praise the Lord, I see your hand. On this Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus, Jesus made new life available, experience that. Don't leave here not knowing. Thank you. Anyone else? Any other hands? Put them nice and high. I'll wait just another moment. You need to accept Jesus as Savior or recommit your life to serving him. Anyone else? Anyone else? The Bible says today is the day. Now is the time, the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Saw several hands, several hands. I'm gonna ask everyone to pray right where you are. Repeat this prayer after me. And if you raised your hand or if you should have raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer and believe it in your heart. The Bible says when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that the power of God does something on the inside of us, makes us brand new, that the old has passed away. He rescues us. 
He saves us and brings us into his kingdom. So that's what's about to happen as we pray this prayer. I'm gonna ask everyone to join me and repeat this prayer out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize today I'm not where I should be with you. I know that I've sinned. I know that I've made mistakes. And I know I need a Savior. And I believe with all of my heart Jesus is that Savior. I believe he died on the cross. He paid for my sins. And I believe God raised them from the dead. And I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. Make me who you want me to be. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'll serve you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.